Welcome to Coffee and Conversations with Chris. We're glad you're here. Here's your host, Pastor Chris Atkinson. Hi, this is Pastor Chris, and uh, you are connecting with Coffee with Chris, and it's our weekly Tuesday morning time where we just get together and we talk about different theological things. And uh, hopefully uh, today you will be encouraged by some of the things that we are planning to talk about. So uh, grab a coffee, uh, maybe grab your Bible and a pen and paper as we get going this morning to uh, just talk about the Antichrist. And so uh, today we are spending some time looking at the scriptures and really just trying to understand what uh, this spirit of the Antichrist is and how the Antichrist actually uh, is revealed in, in Scripture. Good morning, Shirley. Good to uh, see you. Um, and for other, those others that are joining uh, online too, so great to see all of you. And, and again, this is about a conversation. And if you've got questions... Uh, just type them into the screen and I'll do my best to answer those questions as we go along. So uh, today we are going to continue uh, what we were talking about last week, which was the Antichrist. And uh, for some of you, maybe you don't even know what that word means, where it comes from. And so today we're going to unpack that a little and uh, spend some time in God's word and just look at the scriptures and what they tell us so that we can actually recognize the Antichrist when that time comes. So just to, I'm going to take some time to recap from last week and then jump right in to, uh, to sort of the content of this morning. And again, questions, anytime, just dump them on the screen and uh, we'll answer them for you. So in the scriptures, we see in John the Apostle John writing to the church, and he uses this uh, word called anti-Christ, all right? And it, it actually means anti-Christ, which is anti-God, which is against God or against Christ. And he describes it there in a number of different ways. He talks about it in the context of the spirit of the anti-Christ, but he also talks about it in terms of an individual person. And he actually says in John that many have already come, uh, but he refers to one that is yet to come. And so as we look at the scripture verses today, we're going to look at uh, all of the passages of scripture that help us recognize uh, this Antichrist. And the Bible actually uses a lot of different names to describe this uh, person, this this king that will rise. So just to give you some definitions, and, and, and again, this is just a recap from, from last week as we talked, as we get going here. So a, the spirit of the Antichrist is an unseen ideology or way of thinking that has influence over an individual, but also over groups of people or the world and it is ultimately rooted in rebellion against God, and it's seen really in Satan. So that's the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, there has been deceivers throughout the history of the world 
that have gone out and come against Christ. And so uh, John refers to them, but we also look back in history and we see uh, Nero after the time of Christ, uh, during the time of the disciples, he was one that was very much seen and thought of as, as, as an antichrist because he was against Christ. Uh, but also, as we go forward through history, we see a number of different times in history. Uh, during the Reformation, and a large number, Martin Luther, Calvin, um, Knox, and, and, and another, a number of uh, influential Christian leaders at the time believed that the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church during their time was the Antichrist and some of the things that they did. And that's documented through a number of historical documents. So... There has been these figures throughout history and, and even moving forward closer to our time, you know, Adolf Hitler has been uh, called the Antichrist and, and uh, fitting some of the descriptions that we see in scripture about the Antichrist. So there has been individuals that have come up, but uh, as John says, there has been many deceivers along the way, but we have not seen yet that one true the last antichrist as of yet in history. So what does this person actually look like? Um, because that's actually uh, really important for us to be able to recognize. And so I'm just gonna go over a few passages. I'm gonna list some passages where this is actually outlined and then uh, you can write them down too. And we're gonna dive into a lot of these passages and talk about sort of the process in, in how the Antichrist, this last Antichrist that is still yet to come, uh, will reveal himself so that we can actually uh, have eyes to see and ears to hear and to watch the news and be informed about how this will actually uh, play out in our, in our world. Because there's so much chatter about this, there's so much talk about this online about the mark of the beast and and uh, the Antichrist and all of these different things. If you're following social media, you just see all of this stuff everywhere. And so I'm just going to bring some clarity to all of that and show what the Bible actually says about that. So when I'm referring to the Antichrist, we're referring to a number of different passages of Scripture. And I think the ones that you need to write down, Second Thessalonians, uh, chapter, what chapter is that? Chapter uh, two, sorry. Uh, trying to look at the screen as I'm talking so that I keep your attention. Um, so Second Thessalonians chapter two is one of the places we're going to look at. Matthew chapter 24 is another one where Jesus is speaking and, and talking about these things. Uh, of course, John, First uh, John uh, chapter two and four, uh, John the apostle speaks of it. Revelation chapter 13 uh, is another passage where uh, all of these things are unpacked. And then in the Old Testament, uh, we can look at uh, Daniel chapter 11. And those are all of the places where it is very clear that the scriptures are pointing to this figure. And in, in all of these places, this person is described by a different name, but they're all describing the same person. Now you should ask the question, well, how do we know that he's actually, all these different authors are describing the same person? Well, it's in the description of the person. They, they call him something different, but uh, in fact, what you actually see is the descriptions are all the same. 
And uh, that's how we know that these are the different names that are used to describe this individual. So here are the names, uh, the Antichrist, and John uses him. But John also uses the word beast uh, in Revelation to describe him. And that's partially uh, John's writing style with the book of Revelation. Revelation is an apocrypha kind of book, and he uses symbols and imagery to convey things instead of saying it straight out. Um, and that's the difference between his writing in, in 1 John and in Revelation. Now, Dave, Daniel, Daniel, as he's writing Daniel, he uses the word king. And so we see him as a king because that shows some of his uh, influence and power in that setting. Uh, we also uh, see him used as the man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians. So 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, he is described there by Paul as this man of lawlessness. Some translations will say man of sin or, or different things like that. But all of these uh, different writers, we have Daniel, we have Paul, and we have John, that are writing these uh, communications, these things that God has shared with them. And, and Jesus himself is teaching in Matthew about this. And they're all referring to the same thing. And, they, and, and in fact, Jesus actually uses this, the scripture verse uh, in Daniel to back up what he's saying. And so that's how we kind of know that all of these things fit together. They're talking about the same person. And for all intents and purposes, I'm going to use, just to keep language simple, the Antichrist. And so when I say the Antichrist, I'm talking about the beast in Revelation chapter 13. I'm talking about this, this uh, man of lawlessness that Paul responds to. And I'm talking about this king that Daniel is speaking of in Daniel chapter 11. Okay, so, so that's, that's how we understand all of these passages of scripture that just kind of pull together. And as we go through these, you'll actually see that all of these passages of scripture point to this same person, but there's different names that are used to describe this person, okay? And this person that we're talking about is the Antichrist, this person that is yet to come, this one individual that will come at the end of the age before Christ returns and want to rule the world. And this person is also going to persecute Christians. This ruler is going to insist on what's called the mark of the beast. And as we can see these things clearly in scripture, then we can actually go back to them when the things start playing out that way in our world. So you've got all the scriptures, they're on the screen there, and uh, we're just going to start reading some of these so that you can actually uh, unpack these things. And then we're going to go through these signs. I've got uh, nine, I think it is, nine signs as this will begin to unfold as we see in the scriptures. And that's what we're going to cover today and go through all of this. So I've got my Bible here and we're going to turn uh, over to, uh, the first place we're going to start is in in First John. And First uh, John chapter 4 as we're moving along through our scriptures. 
And it's so good that God tells us these things before it actually happens. And I'm always encouraged because there's no surprises with God when it comes to uh, leading his people. So last week we spent a lot of time in 1 John, but I just want to sort of start from there and just kind of keep rolling from there. So in John chapter 2, we see uh, John writing about warnings about the Antichrist in chapter 2 verses 18 and uh, he says that there's many antichrists that have come uh, therefore we know that it's this last hour uh, and so he's telling us that there's all these antichrists these people that are against God around in the world and they're coming against what Christians actually believe and then he goes over to chapter 4 and in chapter 4 he's talking again about the spirit of the antichrist and uh, he says in verse 1, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. And this is something that we need to be doing. And this is arming you so that you can actually test the spirits that are actually out there to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, verse 2, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So what we first need to realize is the spirit of the Antichrist is totally in our world already. But it's still yet to come. This one ruler is still yet to come. And as we get going this morning, we'll see how that all plays out. So turn over now to uh, Thessalonians. We're looking at 2 Thessalonians. So uh, back to the left of your Bible, if you're following along with your Bible with me. So 2 Thessalonians. So Paul writes the book of Thessalonians, both 1 and 2 Thessalonians. And in chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians, he begins to talk to the church about the return of Christ. And, uh, and, and in this context, he speaks of this Antichrist, this, and he uses the terminology, the lawless one, to explain what he means. So here's what he says. He says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. Let me just stop right there for a minute. So what he's saying here is that God is not going to return. The second coming of Christ is not going to happen until this rebellion or this man of lawlessness comes and is revealed. So let's, let's pick it up. Verse 3, it says, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Okay, so this person that he's referring to here this man of lawlessness, and it's single, it's not a, a group, it's just one individual, this son of destruction. And then it goes on to describe who this person is. And so 
This man of lawlessness, this son of destruction, is the Antichrist. How do we know? Because he tells us with the same description. Who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time, a time yet to come. For the mystery of lawlessness, so he's talking about the spirit of the Antichrist, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that may, they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So a couple of things I want to draw to our attention here as we just look at this passage, okay? So first, we see very clearly here that the, the coming of Christ, the return of Christ, will happen after this Antichrist, this son of destruction, this lawless one, has already been revealed. And so one of the signs that we need to see when we look for the return of Christ is actually this playing out. And I think there's a lot of things happening in our world now that do point to the stage being set for some of these things to actually be fulfilled. So this man of lawlessness, single person, is going to sort of rise up in the midst of our world and he's going to have activities of signs and wonders, it says in verse 9. There's going to be all kinds of deception. People are not going to be able to recognize and discern and tell what's actually going on here. And that's important for us to know because in the beginning, the deception around this Antichrist is going to be great. Now let's turn over to what Jesus has to say over in Matthew 24 because this is, this is important uh, to see here. So sort of the next step. So in verse 4 it says, Who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God, or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Now, over in Matthew 24, Jesus talks about this. In Matthew 24, as we look at the teaching of Jesus, we actually see Jesus referring to this person who exalts himself. 
And so the disciples are asking Jesus about what is the sign of his coming and his return and the close of the age. And he goes through and, and says a number of things. And again, he's speaking to uh, his disciples. And uh, he says in Matthew 24, verse 9, he says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, for you'll be hated by all nations for my sake, and many will fall away and betray one another, and false prophets will arise, and many will lead others astray. But then he says this in verse 15. He says, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. And he's just paused there for a minute. So that's Matthew 24, verse 15. He's talking about the same thing that Paul is talking about in the letter to Thessalonians. And he's also talking about the same thing that Daniel's talking about in Daniel chapter 11. This abomination of desolation is where a person has gone into the temple of God in Jerusalem and set themselves up to be worshipped, that they are the God of this world. And when that happens, and this is exactly what uh, Paul is referring to over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 uh, when he says in verse 4 that he opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God proclaiming himself to be God. This is, this, this is the same thing that Paul is talking about that Jesus is teaching them about. And so what Jesus says to his disciples during this, this time in verse 16, as he, he goes on, so when you see this, when you see this happen, then let those who are in the Judea flee to the mountains and let the one who's on the housetop not go down to take up what is in his house and let the one who's in the dark or in the field not return back to get his cloak. For alas, for women who are pregnant and those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight not be be in the winter or on Sabbath, for there will be great tribulation such as not been from the beginning of the world until now, and no, and never will be. And if those days, and this is a key, that, and if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. So, Number one, that just kind of encourages us a little that these day, this day is coming. It's clearly uh, told to us, but that it's not going to last long. Uh, there will be great tribulation during that time period, and there will be believers around during this time. Uh, and as believers are there, they just need to realize that there there is an end, and it's coming. Uh, and it won't be long, but it is still something that, as believers, we will go through as we as we see this play out, okay? Now, from here, let's move over into Daniel. And we're going to go into Daniel and look at Daniel because uh, Jesus here has been referring uh, to something. He says, hey, this is abomination of desolation that was spoken of by Daniel uh, in, in his prophecy. So turn with me over to Daniel chapter 11. And we'll look here at, uh, at Daniel in chapter 11. And so Daniel has this vision 
and it's a vision of the end of days. And part of the, the, the vision that he had and the prophecy that he uh, saw was fulfilled in his day, but it also uh, is a type and a shadow and a fulfilling played out in the end of days. And there's a huge transition and all scholars, as they look at Daniel chapter 11, uh, see that there's this transition where he's talking about the near future in the days of Daniel to where he goes and starts talking about the far future, which applies to the end of the age. And so I want to, uh, I want to say to you that that transaction or that transition happens uh, in, in somewhere around verse 20. And, and, and of course, you know, you can kind of argue as, as scholars and big biblical scholars do uh, at, you know, what exact verse that is. But I'm just going to say to you, it's around verse 20. And so we're going to pick it up in, uh, in verse uh, 20 and, and go for there. Go from there. It says, Then shall arise in his place one who shall send an exactor of tribute for the glory of the kingdom. But within a few days he shall be broken, neither in anger nor in battle. In his place shall arise a contemptible person to whom royal majesty has not been given. And he shall come in without warning and obtain the kingdom by flattery. Armies shall be utterly swept away before him and broken, even the prince of the covenant. And from that time, an alliance is made with him, and he shall act deceitfully and shall become strong with a small people. Without warning, he shall come into the richest parts of the province, and he shall do what neither his father nor his father's fathers have done, scattering among them plunder, spoil, and goods. And he shall devise plans against strongholds, but only for a time. And he shall stir up his power and his heart against the king of the south with a great army. And the king of the south shall wage war in an exceeding great and mighty army, but he shall not stand for a plot shall be devised against him. So here we see that this king is rising up and this king is actually going to rule. And what's interesting about this passage is that we see that this, this king sort of comes in to have influence by flattery and by deceit. And this person is not a person of good character. Now, as we continue reading, I want to get to this place uh, where we talk about uh, this abomination of desolation that Jesus refers to in Matthew 24 in Daniel. So let's jump down uh, to verse 29. And it says, At the appointed time, he shall return and come into the south, but it shall be this time... It will not be this time as it was before, for ships of Kitterim shall come against him, and he shall be afraid and withdraw and shall turn back and be enraged and take action against the Holy Covenant. And he shall turn back and pay attention to those who forsake the Holy Covenant. Forces from him shall appear and profane the temple and fortress and shall take away the regular burnt offerings, and they shall set up the abomination that makes desolate. He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant, but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. And the wise among the people shall make many understand, though for some days they shall stumble by the sword and flame, by captivity and plunder. When they stumble, they shall receive a little help, and many shall join them with flattery. And some of the wise shall stumble, so that 
they may be refined, purified, and made white until the time of the end, for it still awaits the appointed time. Now, here's where we start to see this comparison in other passages that we've already looked at, where this king is also referred to as the Antichrist. And the king shall do as he wills. Verse 36, he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god and shall speak astonishing things against the God of gods. He shall prosper till the indignation is accomplished for what is decreed shall be done. He shall pay no attention to the God of his fathers or to the ones beloved by women. He shall not pay attention to any other God for he shall magnify himself above all. Here we see this king that Daniel is prophesying about that Jesus mentions, that tells his disciples about, and his disciples are telling the other believers, and even to us believers today, that there is this king coming that is going to rule the world, and he is going to exalt himself to this place of being worshipped in the temple of God, the temple of God being the temple that is in Jerusalem. So, here we see, as we look at all these passages of Scripture, we see a very strong correlation to this person. And a lot of times God uses multiple people to describe the same thing, so we really get a full picture of how this is going to play out. And so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to take all of these passages of Scripture and we're going to glean from them sort of the, the signs and the signs that we need to be looking for, because the scriptures actually say, and John tells us in John chapter 2, um, watch, watch for these things. And we need to be on guard for these things as we see the turmoil that is happening in our world, as we see that Christianity is uh, not as prominent as it once was, and there's more secularism, there's uh, all kinds of other uh, religions that are out there that are continuing to gain influence around the world. So let's uh, let's just unpack this. So here's the first uh, characteristic of this person. And one of the things that is so uh, important about this very first sign is that we're not going to we're not going to see it. So this these are stages of recognition. And the first stage is this, without warning, this person will gain influence by flattery. We see that in Daniel uh, chapter 11, verses 21 to 24. I just read it. And so there will be this world leader who will gain influence over countries. And we could go into, so part of, and let me just explain this. I'll just kind of sidetrack a little bit, give you a little bit of a, theological understanding of how this person comes to power. And so Bible scholars and, and those that study the scriptures really see this as someone coming up out of uh, the Roman kingdom. Now, just a little bit of history here. So the Roman kingdom greatly expanded um, this influence over the world. And for those of us that live today in Canada, the West, so when we talk about the West, we're talking about 
the descendants of the Roman Empire. And so the Roman Empire had a great influence over the world. And there's a number of large countries. So the U.S., Britain, France, Germany, like all of the Western Europe and all of that and all of the Commonwealth. Uh, so Australia would fall into this too. So the Commonwealth, the British Commonwealth, as it, it exerted its influence over the world. All of these are descendants of the Roman culture, the Roman the Roman influence that we see around the time of Christ. And so out of all of this network of, of kingdoms and nations, there will rise, there's going to rise uh, a king and there's going to rise this, this group of people around the world that will want to follow him. And this, this king, this world leader is going to gain influence by flattery. And in this stage, it's, it's, this leader is not even recognizable because it's, it's something that's happening behind the scenes. And it's something that's going on where they are able to gain influence. And people are like, yeah, that person's got some great ideas. And uh, we want to follow that because these are good things. These are hard times. And remember, there's hard times when uh, this is all beginning to play out. And so that's, this is the, the first characteristic or the first sign. Without warning, this person will gain influence with flattery. Here's the second Here's the second uh, sign or second characteristic is that there's a display of power through signs and wonders. So as we, as we read here in 2 Thessalonians, so let's turn back over to 2 Thessalonians. And uh, you'll, you'll actually see in 2 Thessalonians where it, it describes that this person uh, will, will have uh, signs and wonders. And it's in verse 9. And the coming of this lawless one is by the activity of Satan. So Satan is behind all of this. With all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing. So here's this, this person is, is gaining influence on the world stage and they now have the power of Satan behind them. And they begin to actually uh, do powerful things. Now let's look over to Revelation chapter 13 and we'll see the same thing as it begins to talk about the beast. So in Revelation chapter 13, we see uh, verse 13 as this, uh, so it's talking about uh, the first beast and then the second beast and these kind of go together. The Think of it uh, as as the first beast is, is like the, pers- the, first one per- the first one to come forward, the second beast is the one that supports or sort of second in command of the, of the first beast. And it says in verse 13 that as this beast is brought forward, uh, it performs great signs and even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that it was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And this is part of the process. So this this person, this antichrist, uh, this deceptive power will be that they have been have a a fatal wound, but yet they will live. They will come back to life. And many scholars believe that they they will die and then come back to life. And that would, be, that would be a huge sign. That would be a huge sign in our world today that 
people would be like, whoa, this person is actually spastral. So this, let's talk a little bit more in Revelation about this beast because there's some things here that we see here in this beast. It's talking about the same thing that we've been talking about, this king, this antichrist, this man of lawlessness. So uh, in verse 5, same chapter, chapter 13, it says, And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. Again, we see this. There, there's a beginning and there's an end. And, and it's hard through it, but there is an end to this. And it says, It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And it was also allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them, and authority was given it over every tribe and people and language on the earth. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb that was slain. So here we see this picture, this, this beast is the same thing uh, as the Antichrist. It's, the, it's this king that Daniel's referring to, and he's setting himself to be worshipped in this abomination of desolation. This lawlessness is here in this person. All right, so first sign is without warning, this person is going to gain influence with flattery. Second sign is that there's going to be this display of power through signs and wonders even rising from the dead. And the third thing is that there's going to be speaking against God. And uh, in John 1, 2, verses 22, we see this. Uh, we see it in 2 Thessalonians. Uh, I just read there. We, I just read in Revelation chapter 13 and in Daniel chapter 11. All of these different places in the Bible that are written by different people speak specifically to this characteristic that there will be this leader who's gained influence, who's got the display of power through signs and wonders, and is going to speak against God. And he's going to utter all kinds of negative things against him and deny his existence and say that Jesus didn't come in the flesh. This is a big bunch of hogwash, and nobody should be allowing Christianity to function. And at this time, people that do believe in Jesus and do follow Jesus are going to start to see immense persecution. Because as this begins to grow and bubble, and some of these things are overlapping as they start to play out in, in our world around us, but we see here in the fourth sign that this, this person who's speaking against God is beginning to exalt themselves in this place. And so this is the fourth sign that this person desires people to worship them. They want people to worship them. And in fact, they exalt themselves to this uh, high place of worship instead of God. And so it's kind of like they just take the place of God in our world today. And we see that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We see it clearly outlined. We see it again, clearly outlined in, in Revelation chapter 13, as I've just read these passages, where this fourth characteristics of desiring people to worship is, is part of the revealing of this person. And this person believes, and this is the fifth sign, and this so the the third, fourth, and fifth sign kind of all happen at the same time. 
uh, is that this person claims to be God. And again, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, uh, Revelation chapter 13, uh, we see this where it becomes incredibly obvious that this person is, uh, is desiring to be in this place that is rightly deserved for our Heavenly Father and Jesus. And up until this time, the world is like, this is awesome. This is great. And so in this context, what we see happening, we, we see a one world religion coming out of this. We see a, a religion uh, that there's this human person who has performed signs and wonders, even rising uh, from a fatal wound that he died from. And people begin to believe that he is God. And the world follows after him. And that's actually the next sign or the next characteristic. Oh, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. I'm jumping ahead. Just slow down, <laughs> Chris. <laughs> Here's the next sign. Here's the next sign. So characteristic uh, number six is this. He sets himself up as God in the temple of God. Okay, so here's claiming to be God, but he then takes his place in the temple of God. So if you know anything about the history of Israel and the conflict that we have with Abraham and the descendants of Ishmael, the descendants of Isaac, and, and we have Muslim religion and we have Judaism and we have uh, uh, Christianity, all of those things are sort of centered around the same temple uh, in Jerusalem. And so part of the, what's going to happen as this all plays out is this, uh, this person who is claiming to be God will set himself up as God in this temple. And a lot of these world religion people are going to go along with it and they're going to think that this is just wonderful. Here we have this God that we can worship in the flesh. And for some people, I think for the Jews, they may even think that um, it's the Messiah. And for some of the Muslim people, they might think it's maybe even Muhammad coming back. And as Christians, we just need to realize that this, what Jesus is telling us ahead of time in Matthew chapter 24, Daniel prophesying in Daniel chapter 11, this beast that is described in Revelation 13 is setting themselves up to be worshipped. And in that context, they then show this religion that they are to be worshipped. And there's no other religions will be allowed at that point. And people will be encouraged and most likely even mandated by government laws that this God is to be worshipped. And as this happens, we're going to see this next characteristic, this next sign. The world will follow and worship him. And this, this, is, this is dangerous. This is very dangerous. We see this, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. Uh, we see it in Revelation chapter 13. We see it all throughout this, that this next characteristic, after he's claimed to be God, he's, so 
you see that like this process is so he sort of worked his way in through flattery he has uh, displayed power and he's speaking against God he claims to be God he's desiring people to worship him he sets himself up in the temple of God and the world is going to follow him and will worship him and this so Jesus says when you start to see these things happen know that the time is close it is so close and know that the end is just around the corner but there's also going to be during this time a great tribulation for those of us that are saying no I'm not going to worship that God and in fact the deception as as Jesus even says will be so great at this time you're going to have families turning against members because be like why, why can't you worship this like I thought you were religious like you believed in God but we've shown you that that's not true because this is the real deal this is the real God and there's going to be an immense amount of pressure to conform to worshiping this God this Antichrist this beast this king who is a leader of nations so that people will follow and because of the turmoil that's happening in the world right now and and the stage is being set for some of these things to to start to play out where things can happen to set these things in motion so the next sign after this happens where the world will follow and worship him and they're going to be all in it so this at this point we've gotten to this point where there's one world religion and it's worshiping this antichrist there's one world government that this person is you know starting to organize but uh, this person will require followers to receive the mark of the beast so in Revelation chapter 13 verses 16 uh, we can turn there we actually see the prophecy about how this is going to play out and as John is writing this and trying to communicate this to verse 15 and it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain okay so this is this is actually part of the, the next sign too and it causes all, both small, great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. This is this calls for wisdom, that the one who understanding, the one who has understanding, calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, which is six six six. So, as we are looking at these characteristics characteristic number seven the world will follow him and worship characteristic number eight is that this person will require followers to receive the mark of the beast and this mark is a mark that marks you as someone who's worshiping this ruler this king this antichrist and uh, that's where, as Christians, we just need to be aware of that we're only called to worship God, 
Jesus, uh, the Son of God. And as we see this delineation, this clear line, and as we see in Scripture, that's when the intensity of persecution and tribulation actually ratcheted, like increases, for the followers of Jesus. So uh, the next sign or the next characteristic, we're on I think number nine now, uh, that those who don't receive the mark of the beast and worship this antichrist, this king, will be killed. In Daniel chapter 11, it, it speaks of that. And, and right here, we just read it in, in verse uh, uh, 15 of Revelation chapter 13. We actually see that uh, the, the people who will not worship the beast will be slain, will be killed. And uh, that's, a, that's a really important uh, part for us to understand as Christians because if we're saying, you know, we're not going to worship this antichrist, these people that speak against God, and even when the whole world around us is pressuring us to worship these things, we're not going to worship. We're not going to receive this mark. We're not going to go in that direction. And here's, here's what we just need to know, that in those places, we will be killed. And that's, and that's a real, that's this part of the rise of the Antichrist is to get to the point where there's this great attack on God's people because it's anti-God, it's anti-Christ, it's against God. And so that means that they're going to be against God's people. We also see in Revelation chapter 16 here, sort of the next part of the sign is the control. This person will control the world economy. You cannot buy or sell or trade anything uh, without the mark of the beast. And, and again, this, this is incredibly uh, hard for us to realize because sometimes we're just like, well, I want to protect myself through this. Um, but we have to rely on God in those moments. God said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. God has told us these things are going to happen before they happen. And God has said that there's going to be an end of these days. And uh, this, this person is, here's the next character. So I think we're on number 11 now. Uh, this, this ruler, this king is going to have large armies and military might. And we see that in Daniel chapter 11. And uh, through all of that, this, this antichrist, this ruler... Uh, will be controlling everything, religion, economy, military power, and just rule the world. And in that, in that context, it will be totally against God, totally against God's people, and requiring the world to worship themselves. And that is the rise of the Antichrist into this place of leadership and rulership. And when we look at the scriptures and we look at Jesus teaching about this in Matthew 24, we see Daniel talking to us about this long time before Jesus and telling us that this is how the end is going to come about. And then we see the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John uh, telling us about how this will all play out in the end. Uh, we know that these things are true. It's not like we're just pulling one of these things from one obscure scripture. No. Old Testament, New Testament, 
the Gospels, the Apostles, tell us that this is going to happen. And so we just need to realize as we look at our world events and, and, and see things start to play out, that uh, there are some things that are playing out here. And I may not actually have the order, and sometimes we can't see the order of things happening, and sometimes there's an overlap of these things in the order. They could all happen at the same time. They could happen within six months of each other. Um, they could take a couple of years to happen. Uh, but know for sure that these things are going to happen. Now, now that we're into this place where this... Uh, this person has taken over and controlled religion and controlled the world economy and, it, and is seated in the temple of God, desiring all people to worship them and having all people worship them and killing those who don't want to worship them. There's a huge amount of hope for us. Because right now it does sound kind of doom and gloom for the Christian. But as we look in Revelator, in uh, Second Thessalonians, and we're going to sort of wrap things up with this because I think this is sort of the most encouraging thing that we need to see about uh, the Antichrist and the return of Christ. And you'll notice as I read, you know, Paul uh, says to these people in Second uh, Thessalonians that he's writing to the people of Thessalonica, he says, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be great, quickly shaken in mind or alarmed. And you may be feeling alarmed right now by all of this stuff, but we see right now that the coming of our Lord, let all of this that I've just described to you is pre-coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we, as we look at this passage of, of Scripture, it actually says, and this is the encouraging part, as we go through 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and look at verses 7. I'm going to start it up in verse 7. So it says that all of this stuff is going to happen. And Paul is building on what John has taught, what Jesus has taught, what Daniel had prophesied in the Old Testament. So Paul says this as he's writing this letter. Do you, verse 5, do you not remember when I was still with you, I told you these things? So he's already been teaching these people of Thessalonica about, about how this is all going to play out. And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. So there's a restraining that God is allowing to happen in our world for these things not to come to pass until the appointed time. And then it says, and then the lawless one will be revealed. And this is the encouraging part. Whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. You see, as we look at scripture, we actually see that this antichrist, this figure who is exalting and opposing himself as God, must be in place before the return of Christ. And when Christ returns, Christ destroys, kills this antichrist. And we can look in Revelation and we see these, the, the, this battle scene that's set in Revelation where we've got the armies of 
this Antichrist and the armies of God that are coming together and clashing. And this is the, the picture that's there in the return of Christ. And we know from Scripture that Christ uh, has come as a baby to be a Savior, but the next coming, the time he comes again, he's coming back as a judge, as a ruler, as the King of kings and Lord of lords to make right all the wrongs and establish and usher in his eternal kingdom. So be encouraged that even though we may find ourselves living in these days, number one, God has actually told us that this is going to happen. Number two, he's told us that these days are going to be short. He's also told us that people will be deceived through this time, even possibly the elect. So we need to watch and we need to pray through all of this. But know that Christ is coming back to deal with this man of lawlessness, this antichrist, this beast, this king that is this ruler who is opposing himself against every God and the God of gods who wants to be worshipped, who wants to take the place of God. So that is the antichrist. And that is the picture that we actually see in scripture about this person. And... Uh, Know that God triumphs over this. And as true as God's word is, as true as Jesus has come, this also is going to pass. It may pass in our lifetime. It may be something that comes in the generation of our, our children or our grandchildren or our great-grandchildren. But this is going to come to pass. And as we look at our world economy, um, we need to recognize how the landscape in our world is setting things up uh, for a ruler to emerge that will uh, organize and bring everything together into this one world religion, into this place of uh, ruling over the economy and uh, causing people to worship this ruler bringing them to this place where they would receive the mark of the beast. So, and I know people have asked questions about, well, is a vaccine that this is coming out right now? Is it the mark of the beast? No, it's not. Uh, nobody's called asking you to worship this beast. Um, you know, sometimes we take these things and we make, we have symbolism for them, but that's not really what the scripture is talking about. This is real stuff that's happening here. Someone must be in power. These are kings and leaders uh, of our world that will be in these places. So, the vaccine is not the mark of the beast and all the government restrictions and all of that uh, are good for us to follow they're not asking us to deny Jesus to not worship Jesus um, but yet at the same time it's it's easy for us to look at the situation around us and see some of the signs uh, that need to be in place for this Antichrist to take power so uh, know that all of this stuff, what's ever happening in our world, God is over, God is controlling, God is still on the throne, he will always be on the throne, even when people don't think that he's on the throne, and even when others are opposing his rulership and his leadership, he is still on the throne. And uh, we need to be encouraged by that and know that these times just tell us that the return of Christ is coming soon and may we watch may we pray may we hold fast to the truth of jesus 
And may we follow Jesus with our lives, giving him every piece of our life, trusting him and, and just praying for that day and encouraging one another as we see this day approaching where Christ is returning. And I can't wait. I can't wait for that day. Now, there's a part of me that would love to be alive when Christ returns. But there's another part of me that doesn't really want to be alive when Christ returns because of the whole persecution and those that are not receiving the mark of the beast uh, and worshiping this beast, this this antichrist, this leader that is requiring people to worship him, uh, they're going to suffer. And uh, I don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> Nobody wants to be a part of suffering. Um, but if it is in my lifetime, I'll... That's okay. I trust God to, to lead myself and his people through it. So let me pray for you. I'm going to just sort of wrap things up at that time because we've gone through a lot of content. And next, next Thursday, we'll continue talking about the Antichrist. You may have some questions. Just type them in. We'll try and answer them. And share the video. Maybe we've got some friends or something like that who have been asking you questions about you know other Christians and uh, wondering what exactly is happening in our world. Maybe your kids, and you talk to your kids about some of this stuff too and just help them understand. Um, so uh, I'm gonna pray. There's a prayer request that came up on the, on the screen. So please pray for our children and the next generation to help them open their eyes, hearts, and minds. Amen, yes, yes. We, we need to be, have our minds and uh, our understanding opened uh, to these things and to be care and to be careful not to be dragged away with some uh, other things uh, but yet to really focus on what God's word actually says in the scriptures about how this will all uh, play out so um, let me let me pray for all of you that are listening and those that uh, will listen at a later time dear Heavenly Father I thank you so much that your word lights the path for us and Lord that we can trust your word that we can look to your word and see how you've told us these things are going to happen even before they happen. So God, I thank you uh, for this instruction so that we can actually follow you as we see this playing out in our world. So God, I, I pray for children. I pray for adults. I pray for other people, uh, the next generation uh, of people that would be able to see these things in your word and see them playing out in our world so that we would be able to recognize, recognize the times and seasons. And Lord, that we could actually see and know the signs of your imminent return. So God, may we tell others about Jesus. May we tell people that Jesus is coming back. May we tell them that God... Uh, loves them and, and cares for them. So Lord, I just pray for all of us that are listening that the truth of your word as we've looked at it today would settle in our hearts, would give us peace, but yet wisdom and understanding to know the world that we are living in today. So God, we give you praise and thanks for all things. And we ask all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, great to be together. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we're going to be back on Thursday this week uh, talking about anxiety. So if you're interested in that, just tune in then to Thursday at 11 o'clock. And uh, we will see you again. And I uh, hope you're uh, staying safe and, 
and uh, trusting God through this uh, time of stay at home. God bless. We hope you've enjoyed Coffee and Conversations with Chris. If you'd like to support this program, please visit pinewoodschapel.com give. See you next time.